Mike Dice, back with the Extra Rounds podcast, coming to you just a few days before Christmas. As always, my co-host, Elias Sepeda. So awesome to be back with you, Mike. Yes, it's uh, it's exciting to be back. I'm uh, I'm very glad that I was able to make it back after a couple weeks away. It was I I missed it, but I enjoyed watching Jimmy. Jimmy did well filling in, and uh, uh, Joe Lazone calling in was he was a good guest. Yeah, as always, great dude. First first multiple guest, multiple time guest. I. Yeah, I think that might be right. I think Joe might be the first person to be on the show twice. We'll have to send him a plaque. We got to. Yeah, we should. He's awesome. I bet he'll take a photo of it. So we had uh, some guests lined up, but, you know, it's holiday week. Some things happened and, uh, you know, plans changed. So no worries. It'll just be, um, you know, us taking time to talk and, uh, you know, look back at UFC on Fox in Sacramento and everything that happened there and then taking uh, time to look forward to UFC 207 and kind of just talking all things MMA, just uh, the two of us. So uh, if you do have questions, please feel free to drop them into the chat. Uh, we'll be watching that closely and we'll, uh, you know, answer your questions as they come along. So anyways, let's first uh, talk about USC on Fox 22. Yeah. Numbers came in and it was wildly successful. Sure it was 4.38, I think was the number of million views on, on and the, Fox. And the main event. Yeah, I peaked there. And I think they averaged over three and a half million for the, the main card. It's huge numbers. Right. Uh, so were you surprised by that? I can't say I predicted it. I, I, I mean, this, is a, this was a card headlined by uh, a fight between two women, which yeah. isn't very off frequent that we've nope. seen. Um, no, it's true. And, and there was a lot of criticism of the UFC as well in terms of, hey, how does not just the main event, but like the co-main being Mickey Gall versus Sage Northcutt while Uriah Faber was third from, from the top, who... He was clearly the biggest star, most accomplished fighter on uh, on that card, and he was in his hometown. So there was a lot of criticism there, and I was curious if it would work well. Like as a viewer, I wasn't in Sacramento, but as a viewer, the even though I enjoyed the last two fights, the climax was definitely Faber, right? That fight and that win for him and his ovation. And so I wondered, I'm like, is the I'm wondering, like, is the TV audience dropping off? Or are they sticking around because they're so stoked? Did, they stuck around, and more of them came around for it in the main event, it turned out. Well, that makes you wonder if they're going to change the way that they book things yeah. because of that like effect. you know. Um, though it's interesting because at WrestleMania 30, not to compare this to wrestling, it's but fine, I do it. Man. It's like a weekly <laughs> thing that I do. Um, at WrestleMania 30, The Undertaker had this streak. He had like, mm. gone 20-plus events without losing, and he lost, and it like sucked the air out of the place. Mm. And if he had lost... That might have been the situation. That's a really good point. But him point. winning and him pretty much dominating. Hmm. Uh, I think he's won like on two judges' scorecards, thirty to twenty-six. Or am I getting at, at least with one a of the fight? at least one of the judges' scorecards? He got dropped late in the third, but other right. than that, he definitely dominated. Um, so it was, uh, it was, you know, exciting. If he had lost, it might have changed things. That's a good um, point. I hadn't thought about that. Right. Uh. Uh, you know, it's a gamble. If you, you know, and yeah. uh, but it's you know, people were concerned about it online. Uh, on Twitter, and Ariel Hawani was reminding people that Uriah Faber announced it was his retirement match after they had already kind of set the card sure. in stone, which, um, you know, surely had they known going into it and after, you know, before having promised somebody the main event or the co-main, yeah. they probably would have changed things up a little bit so that he would have gotten the main event spot. I um, wonder. Or if they wanted to use his excitement to, like, take that gamble then and promote others, you know, like, uh, I'm curious, like, Hey, we we were already watching Uriah. What? There's someone else fighting. All right, let's check that out. You know, but it it makes you wonder, or well, it doesn't make you wonder. It just makes you realize how uh, great of a person Uriah Faber is. Mm. And, you know, he gets 
criticized by Dominic Cruz for constantly pushing his people and his team, but it's, it's genuine. And, yeah. uh, you know, he probably could have taken Paige out of the spotlight if he wanted to. Right, right. Um, I'm sure the UFC would have done it. Perhaps maybe they even asked, but, sure. you know, he kept her in that spotlight and gave, let her get the rub from it. So And it, and it benefits him, too. Like, people have pointed out, like, Dominic Cruz has usually pointed this out as an insult, but it's, it's, it's no insult. That uh, this stuff, especially if if Uriah's retiring, he manages people like Sage, is my understanding, or at least he has an ownership stake in, in the man, in the management company that manages them. So, you know, it 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 serves him well, and you know, financially. And I I don't know Uriah favor personally, but I bet he also doesn't like he wasn't like offended. Like people were offended for him, but it doesn't sound like. You know, he doesn't seem, I mean, the dude seems to have a really health, again, only, only observing him from the outside and occasional interviews, he seems to have a really healthy sense of things. And I think he, he didn't, he doesn't have like a bunch of, he doesn't let perceived slights kind of build up. I mean, again, I know him and Dwayne Ludwig, you know, have had their feud and stuff, but who knows all the details of that, right? Other than that, he seems like a really positive dude and it doesn't seem like he would have minded too much. And this would maybe benefiting him financially later. Also on uh, Instagram and or Snapchat or Twitter, I don't know. There's yeah. so many like, social media <laughs> things. But somewhere he was posting a video of him in Paige's room uh, while she was getting ready for That's her awesome. fight. So, you know, like his fight was over and he was back in there ready to cheer her on too. He's um, a he's a he's a real team captain and a real coach. Like he's not that it's not just his gym doesn't just use his name, right? Like a branding thing or licensing thing. He's he's the guy there from all I understand, you know. Um but speaking of which, you mentioned the feud with uh Dwayne Ludwig. Yeah. And one of the themes of the night was uh burying the hatchet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him and Dominic Cruz um, sit side by side at the uh, table. You know, months ago they were talking trash <laughs> leading up to their fight at UFC 199, but they're sitting next to each other, uh, being cordial, friendly. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the rivalry kind of goes back to when they fought the first time, and Dominic Cruz signed over his face on a poster for back in the WEC. Yeah. And uh, Cruz had a poster that was signed, but without him signing on uh, Faber's <laughs> face, and gave it to him. Yeah. The show, which was a nice moment. And then TJ Dillashaw, former teammate, uh, you know, congratulated him and set all bull crap aside, you know, respect, you're a legend, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So did you enjoy watching those? I did. I, I wish I wish all living legends uh, like your eye favor got were able to get that type of send off. You know, it was so cool to actually see the broad so much of the broadcast really center on him. Constantly, the broadcasters constantly talking about favorite your eye of favor moments. Uh, you know, uh, people bringing in and going out of their way, you know, on their own and social media and interviews to talk about it. I, I did enjoy seeing that because, um, you know, I'm not one of these. I'm not one of these observers that thinks, "Hey, I'm, I'm offended by these talk guys talking trash." Like in my mind, whether or not there was any one particular incident that sparked something, why in the hell would Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber ever be friends? They shouldn't. Like they, you know, they're competing against each other for so many years. They shouldn't like each other that's okay right uh but once once the competition is gone from them at least direct there's still a lot of indirect competition Uriah Faber's uh, one of his protégés is going to be fighting Dominic Cruz for his title in, in, in a couple of weeks at 207 but once that direct competition has gone although they may never be boys and may never be like friends it's good to be like yeah we did that I'm not saying I apologize for anything but but we is, did that together, and, and I respect that, and cool, you know. But there is still some competition because... Indirectly, yeah. It's, Gar, you know, Garbrandt's favorite guy, 
fighting. Uh, and Faber didn't let him forget that. Like yeah. <laughs> Cruz is really classy, and Faber was like, "Yeah, I hope he keeps it together after my boy gets at him." So it there's there's there, there's alpha male alliance like butting of heads, but it's not like so. Per- he doesn't have to go out insulting him personally. That's cool. I like right. that. I, that is good because you know that that stuff was probably just for competition. They didn't. They don't know each other probably closely, but they have competing interests directly, right? So when that's gone, at least a little bit <laughs> directly, you can be like, ah, I, res- I respect what we did. You can let people know that you always respected that guy, even if you don't like that guy. Speaking of which, since we're just kind of wheeling and dealing, yeah. freestyling today, well, it's a natural segue. Garbrandt and Cruz yeah. had their on-screen <laughs> interview, oh, that was amazing. which was... Would you say amazing? It was so good. It was interesting. It was so, you, so you liked it. It was so garbled. Well, I mean, like, so watching it at home, you couldn't hear. Half of it was blurped out. Right, I watched right. it back on uh, Fox's YouTube page, which was uncensored. And I think the censors were just a little overeager for the most part it listening so, to it. There was so little profanity. There's a couple, made... like, shit. Yeah, yeah right, but, right, um, right. It was pretty, it wasn't that bad. It was just a lot of talking over each other. Yeah. But I think after everything that happened with Nate Diaz, they're just like ready to go. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. not so, uh, just, you know, roughly a year ago when he went on that tirade against uh, Conor McGregor. Absolutely. So, but what did you think? A lot of people thought it was just awkward and silly and stupid. You thought it was. Well, it was, it was awkward, silly, and stupid. And it was also amazing. <laughs> it was, neither it was one of them is really good at talking trash. I think, Naturally. Dom, I think Dominic Cruz is sublimely good. He's just really, really? he's really mean. Like he's a really mean bully, and he'll do cutting things. I'm not. They're not highbrow, but he'll do he'll do really mean things or say like really like mean a, things to guys. He's going for the knees. Yeah, he he really he, he's all low blows. You know, whether it's in Instagram when he's trash talking Cody Garbrandt's girlfriend, like he'll. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, like a like a couple of weeks ago, he does. He, he I'm not saying it's sophisticated. But he really tries to soft mark. Yeah, and he'll do it. But he's 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 quick witted, and he's like he's a smooth talker. And but he'll go lowbrow with that. So you've got the high and low. He does whatever he thinks he can really really cut. He'll bring up he'll bring up stuff that no one's supposed to know about. He does it all the time. He's talking about supposedly Cody being knocked down in the gym, which is stuff people don't talk about. He's talking about Uriah Faber's income stream as a manager, which they don't talk much about publicly. He's t- you know he's talking to someone's girlfriend. He goes lowbrow. But he does it to really because he wants a Cody Garbrandt that's wild, so he can he can he can control that fight. So it is stupid. It is <laughs> sophomoric and silly, well, but it was kind of funny. At least they're past the whole daddy issues thing yeah, that we'll was see. going on back in two or two. Now, we'll see, that's that interesting stuff. about that is though is like uh, I think Cody Garbrandt's been very open about his upbringing. Yeah, uh, I did a story on it. And yeah, I know I've seen one. other stories um, done about it, but. Cruz hasn't come from the best situations either, right. which was kind of baffling when that was going on. And yeah. I was kind of happy to see, like, at least we're past that part because I was always I was like, what are you talking about, Dominic? Like, He's not trying to be fair. He's just trying to be a jerk and, like, right. get someone irritated and but embarrassed see, in, you know, like in public. The, but with, like, the when it was, like, Faber and he's like, oh, you have a big chin. It's just like, come on. Like, this is just weak. Oh, yeah. I think Faber doesn't get rattled by that stuff. I think he's hoping Cody Garbrandt, who's very young and doesn't, I don't, I don't know how he is as a person. I don't know what kind of mind he's got, but he's probably different than Uriah Faber. He's less experienced. He's probably hoping it'll rattle him. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it was, like, uh, really uh, um, sophisticated, but I think it was effective at getting uh, Cardi Garbrandt flustered. He may, do very, he may turn that frustration into something very, very positive for himself, but he's, he knows Dominic Cruz, especially if he knows he's more verbal than someone, 
Uriah can speak well. If he knows he's more verbal than like Cordy Garbrandt, he's gonna he's gonna not only try to talk quicker than him, he's also gonna comment on it. He said I've heard him say things like, "Oh, Cordy Garbrandt's as smart as a brick" or something like that, like mean things. He talks like a mean middle schooler, and I don't r- like it. But it's kind of hilarious to see it kind of break down to where you have John Anik, who's ostensibly, uh, who I like a lot, is ostensibly interviewing them, and he says nothing the whole time because these guys are just uh, garbling over each other. Um, having talked to Garbrandt for that piece, yeah. one of the, the tent poles of it was him always fighting against bullies. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of plays into why he might not be a natural trash talker. Mm-hmm. Um, as some people might have seen, it's because he's never, he's not the kind of person who wants to trash talk. He doesn't want to bully people. Yeah. He wants to stand up for the guy who's being bullied. Yeah. That and makes sense. He's in a situation where he's having to do it verbally right now, but having talked to him and heard stories from his past, it's not something that he's handled verbally in the past. Mm-hmm. And he told a story when I was interviewing him about, fighting as a or being a freshman he's freshman in high school he's like on the varsity wrestling team he's uh, competing for a state championship that weekend and there's a special needs student who he said was really nice and friendly and every morning would just kind of go around and say hello and what's up to people just really positive always um you know had the, the best outlook on life and cody stressed that particular that he had the best outlook mm-hmm. on life and some people were making fun of him. And he just goes over, grabs this kid, and starts pummeling him. And one of the teachers was the wife of the wrestling coach, pulled Cody off of him mm. and was like, you can't be doing this. You know, you, you're competing for a state championship this weekend. You know, what if you get in trouble or suspended, blah, 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 blah. Kind of saved, maybe saved him from himself a little mm. bit in that moment. Or um, He ended up going on to win the state title <laughs> that weekend. But that's that's how he goes about handling yeah. it. You know, that's yeah. what he goes about handling bullies. So good for him. I love know, that story. It looks like he might have been rattled just because he's he's not accustomed to fighting bullies with words. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's a really great distinction. But it hasn't affected him in his fighting. Yeah, he probably handles it fine once it comes down to fight you know, night. So you know, I'm I'm not ready to say that Cody's rattled just because he's he he's accustomed to hearing words from bullies and handling it with his fists. <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, before we continue talking on about UFC on Fox 22, uh, we've invited everybody who's watching in the chat to uh, ask questions, and we'll get to it. Um, we have two questions from a guy named Bob. I'm going to butcher his last name. Uh, Carrere. It, it sounds Portuguese or Brazilian. What's up, Bob? Um, anyways, his first question is, with 209 coming around the corner, how much should the UFC – pay to have nate on that card keep in mind i don't think it matters who he fights uh first of all the fact that ufc 209 is not happening in <laughs> stockton is uh or northern california in general is kind of a crime in itself <laughs> right right, uh, right vegas isn't that far but still you know could you imagine yeah. if it was ufc sacramento 209 yeah, yeah that would have been pretty cool uh i think that they should absolutely have they they should stock it with uh talent from that pool yeah. gilbert melendez who hasn't fought for a while. Yeah. Um, Nate Diaz and Nick is supposedly ready to come back. Right, right. Supposedly you know, he wants on that card. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz. And yeah. now I know they don't like to fight on the same card, and yeah. I don't think that they ever have really, or yeah, the instances know. are few and far between. Uh, uh. So the chances of getting them both on the card right. might not happen. But uh, Diaz, Melendez, um, you know, you can get some other people, you know, lower down the card. Yeah. Like Chris Avila or whatever. Sure. Um, you know, maybe some other team alpha male guys. Yeah, I, I think it's a fun idea. I think they should, and I think they should pay generally. 
Nate and Nick Diaz. <clears throat> they do it when they're like in Australia or England yeah. or Ireland. They, they stock it, it with natural talent. No, it's true. And now this is like a conceptual talent. thing. It's like they're not going to be in Northern California. Had they been, they would have been cool to like go to the 209. But like still go with someone identified as that. I think they should just, pay Nate a lot of. They should pay Nate a lot of money to come back and fight at any point. Um, I mean, two nine in MMA is just synonymous with DS. Right, like, right. You, that right. card has to be headlined by DS, and I would be perfectly okay with that card, which is the first of a double header. Yeah, it's the one in Vegas, right? Yeah, in early March. I'd be fine with that card being headlined by a Diaz non-title non-title fight. Sure, sure. They're they're huge enough stars that they don't it, uh, titles need to be on the line. Like they're, they're similar to Conor McGregor, especially Nate. Well, just have Nate fight, and it's going to be huge numbers. Diaz Silva yep. was one eighty two, I think. Yep. No title on the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, Diaz McGregor at 196 and 202. No title either. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. They, if you're not gonna have a title, you you need to have some of the biggest stars. And Nick and Nate are, are two of the biggest stars uh, and the biggest draws the UFC has, regardless of what Dana White says when he's negotiating with them. Um, yeah, they should pay. They should they should pay him whatever it takes, man, um, to get him on that card. Oh, or any card, Rob, in, in, uh, in, uh, in my opinion, or Bob, my, in my opinion. Um, here's the thought. Hmm. Could you see them doing Diaz-McGregor 3? Well, listen. The lightweight title, UFC 209. If, if not, not a, maybe not a 209, but, you know, if they like money, yes, um, because both men want that fight. After 202, they both called each other out and said, let's do this. They hugged, and they said, let's do it, right? Uh, those numbers beat 196's numbers, which had beaten just about every other numbers. So you got the fans asking for it. Now you have the chance with a lightweight title to have even higher stakes than that rivalry, which in itself is probably produced the most heat that the UFC has ever seen. So why in the hell wouldn't you do it? Uh, of course, there's the rumor Conor McGregor wants to take a break, but Conor yeah. McGregor said that's not true. So that like, it's like been some uncertainty whether this break is right. an actual thing. Um, that he just said he said, doesn't know. He's in- if the UFC didn't do it, yeah. it's because they'd save it for their July, big, uh, which is like a huge temple for him always. That's true. Um, which is that's what I can true. see them saving it for. But uh, When is 209? What's the date of that? March 4th or 5th. Okay. It's okay. like early March. Gotcha. So it's not the Super Bowl weekend because that's a huge no, one too. No, Super Bowl weekend is actually not a pay-per-view this year. Oh. It's a fight night in Houston. Oh, no kidding. Okay. I forget. I think they've announced who's that's interesting. main eventing or okay. who's on that. I don't remember. I, but um, I lost. That went under my radar. Yeah, the 208 uh-huh. is the 11th in Brooklyn. That's right. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I think that would be – I think that's the fight – but to me. interesting. If Ronda Rouse can come back for a title fight, the they U- can fight. Well, the Connor. UFC fight night Super Bowl weekends in Houston and the Super Bowl's in Houston, which I think is interesting too. That yeah, that's a new strategy for sure. Yeah. Is it is it gonna can they can they glean some of that off? Because those are I mean, I mean you've been to it, these. Are, are there are people spending so much money at a Super Bowl that they've got no more money to like, yeah, I'll I'll buy another thousand dollar UFC ticket. A lot of the people who go to the Super Bowl are um well, I think it's one of those things where a lot of people come to the city anyways, regardless of whether they're, they're going, going to the Super Bowl uh, just because there's activities and i'm basing this mostly having having lived in dallas yeah which hosted a super bowl um but also they have things like the fan fests and like that kind of those kind of festivities there's a lot of That's things going on for fans um that i think are if you're in the region you kind of come to experience it and be a part of it even though you might not be able to go in the other thing is a lot of the people who are going are one wealthy yeah yeah and Two, a lot of it is you know corporate sponsors getting you know chunks of tickets and then giving them out to like 
business people. Like, that could that conceivably work. You know, so like, if you work with Motorola and Motorola is a sponsor, Motorola's mm-hmm. got like however many tickets, and they give them to like, hey, you know, you're the head of buying at Best Buy or mm-hmm. AT&T. So mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, be our guest because that's true. It gives them an opportunity Saturday phones. night to add a bunch of, yeah. Right. So like yeah. there's all these people in town and it's like, what are you, what else are you going to do? I, yeah. No offense to Houston. No, right, Houston right, right. on a Saturday night, like besides from just going out to the bar, it's like, well, yeah. you're there, there's this UFC fight. Like it's something else to kind of do. That's a really good point. You know, you know what they used to do in, in, in Ohio with, it says this will be, a version of this old thing on like steroids, but they had the Arnold's classic, which is martial arts, body, sorry, bodybuilding and all sorts of stuff in Columbus, Ohio. They do it every year in that fitness, martial arts, bodybuilding community. It's like strength community. It's gigantically huge, right? It's, it's, it's the biggest thing of the year. Well, the UFC for a number of years did when they, when they went into Ohio, they started doing it that same weekend. There was great synergy there, like really good. They did cross promotional stuff and it worked there. Um, but they actually like actual partnership with the Arnolds, but well, yeah, it's interesting to uh, parlay this back to wrestling. I've gone to WrestleMania every year for like five years in a row, and one of the things that they do is uh, they have like the Hall of Fame event Saturday, yeah. and they have like an NXT, which is like their kind of like indie circuit, right. like their what I guess you could call like their minor league. Mm-hmm. Like they have a show on Friday, and then aside from so, like, and then they have like their convention, which is kind of like Fight Week is mm. for the UFC. So like they have that going on. So it becomes this thing where you don't just fly on Sunday and go to WrestleMania. You're there for days, yeah. you know, and meeting people. And consequently, all these other indie wrestling circuits, and I'm not a huge wrestling fan to know a lot of them, mm. um, they all come and they're hosting events in oh, they venues do around That's the cool. city too because all these wrestling fans are flocking to this place. So all these wrestling fans are coming. Not necessarily all are going to WrestleMania, but they're there to go to all the other things. Yeah, that could um, work well then. That's that being said, we're getting a lot of questions. Awesome. So let's Keep them coming. get to it. Uh, Bob says his name was French. I was wrong. Ah, cool. Sorry. It kind of reminded me of that. It kind of reminded me of, yeah. They're both romance languages, right? Portuguese and French. Yes. So is that Yeah, send it phonetically or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it reminded me, it kind of looks like the spelling kind of reminded me of uh, the Pitbull's last name. Oh, Freire. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, that's cool. Um, He hit us up with another question. Uh, I'm hearing McGregor might be coming back sooner than May to fight for the 170 belt. Do you guys see that happening before he defends the 155 belt? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any, any specific knowledge on that, Bob, but, but he did tell BT, BTE Sport, he got this Sportsman of the Year award out in, uh, out in Europe, and uh, he told them, he's like, I don't know where this 10 months is coming from. Um, I wrote a little bit about this at Champions this weekend, and he said, you know, I thought the baby's going to be born in March. My baby's going to be born in May now, so I, I, I don't know, but I can come back sooner. So, yeah, that's up for grabs. Uh, in terms of welterweight, I mean, Woodley was just talking about Connor again, kind of warning him. I think all, as far as I know, it seems like all things are, are open possibilities uh, at this point. I'm really interested to see if Connor sticks to his demands for equity in the UFC, whether it's being given it uh, for a sweat, so to speak, whether it's he has an opportunity to buy in. That will be the question because right now no one's taking that serious. Everyone's like, yeah, hey, who's going to fight next? Right. You know, and we're like, we were forgetting that he's like, I'm never fighting again for the UFC unless I would get equity stakes. So I'm, I'm curious. I think if he fights, Bob, I think anything, anything is possible. I would hope his coaches would talk him out of fighting for the 170 title. I don't think it's, those are great fights for him, but he does a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense and he makes them work for him. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I don't know him and Tyron Woodley. Like, I just think it's a bad matchup. I do, I do, him. I, and I think him against Wonder Boy is bad. I think him against Maya. I think him against most people at 170 is, is not amazing. I mean, 
would you think his best chance would be if Cerrone happens to get the title? Yeah, uh, probably. Just yeah, being, they're not they're not so far out of one another's like side the frames. You right. Know? Yeah. Tyron Woodley, I think, is vastly underrated. By the way, he's, yeah. You know, he like the way he was supporting Sage Northcutt on um, social media mm. during his fight. You know, he's very big on this "I got your back" thing, and having gone to Rufus Sport and seen it first person, like it's a really thing that's like taken off within that team. Mm, that's cool. And I, I don't think he gets enough credit in the public for the person that he is like he tries to do his own version of embedded on his YouTube channel where he kind of has lets people in and, it's and pretty sees, cool. um, his life. Uh, he posted a video recently of like him being in a Christmas parade or something, but <laughs> you know, he, he's a, he's a, like a good person yeah. who's genuinely concerned about his teammates. And for some reason he's gotten like labeled as the heel or one of these people in the UFC. Like for some reason people aren't, you know, rallying around him the way that they do other fighters or champions. Yeah. And, you know, like with Wonder Boy, like people rallying around Wonder Boy, but people aren't rallying rallying around Woodley. And I think it's just interesting. It kind of baffles me. Well, there's a lot of racism in the world, and there's a lot of racism in the fight game. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if a great deal of people's reticence is to, to to arbitrarily not rally behind Woodley certainly has to do with that. Because he gets, I see, you know, this is just anecdotal, but I see lots of comments on the on like on forums. I'm on the underground a lot. People say things of of Woodley that aren't true, but, but, but fill stereotypes like, Oh, he, he's lazy. Oh, he's entitled. Oh, he's always complaining. Oh, he's, you know, he's some type of thug. I like, listen, I don't like, that doesn't really make any See, sense. You know, Pettis comes from, you know, a background, which wasn't great. Right. Makes something of himself, opens restaurants and gyms right. and all sorts of businesses in Milwaukee. And he's a hero. Yeah. Tyron Woodley's done the same thing. Yeah. He's yeah. come out of Ferguson. Right. Um, horrible neighborhood he's gone back to ferguson to give back to the community wow. and he's opened up his own businesses to try and set up a future for his family and he's still vilified well, which, i bet people there like him but yeah no i yeah. agree i i agree it is it is uh it's and he's a you know for let's talk like the superficial stuff he's a great looking dude you know he's a, like he's very he's marketable in, uh movies yeah he's very but he's had to do like he told us he had to do a lot of this himself i think here this is something i've i've talked about you know in private and written a little bit about but i think the UFC has the best like promotional uh, apparatus in the fight game, and I think they're not very. I don't. I don't think they're racist, but I think they're. They don't feel comfortable. I'm speaking broadly. They don't feel feel comfortable uh, marketing black athletes by and large. That is, they don't. They just don't know. Like I see people who fit a certain um, uh, opportunity set, like Woodley, great looking family guy, uh, exciting fighter. Uh, you know, well spoken, and and they don't do an amazing job of of promoting him. But you know, we see him do broadcasts, and he's great there. And I, if the UFC helped him get that, right, that's like, phenomenal. But like, they just don't feel they don't feel comfortable doing it. But yet they'll fall all over unproven talent who can has a halfway decent smile if they're young and 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 white. So I think they're just uncomfortable promoting uh, black athletes, and I think that's part of why. Um, he doesn't get the attention he deserves. He has to do it all on his own. And, you know, he's been doing it on his own, and it's successful, and it's only going to continue to bring him more success. For sure. But, you know, the other thing is he's very, like, relaxed with fans, too. There's, um, when he was on the Fox desk on UFC Tonight, like, a, uh, shortly after the Thompson fight yeah. at UFC 205, uh, people were commenting on, you know, I think I actually took a screenshot and tweeted something out was like, doesn't look like there's a mark on his yeah, face. Right. And one of the fans was, you know, chiming in. He's like, well, he's wearing makeup. And, uh, <laughs> 
Tyron Woodley was like just a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to, but he was like honest and kind of yeah. being funny. Like he didn't Easy have to like snap back it. at this guy. He was like, this guy's trying to take a shot at him, and he's like, yeah, I am wearing a little bit of makeup, right. and it's helping. <laughs> Thanks for noticing. Like, you know, but still, he's the bad guy. All he's right. doing everything right, right, <laughs> basically and naturally. Yeah, and it, we'll have to we'll have to get him on. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Sometime. He's awesome. Um, maybe before his next fight. Do you? Mm. Who would be another two-time guest? Yeah, we could get him yeah. on a third. We got to make it happen. Take that crown too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm sure that's his, his number one objective in his career too. Christopher Simmons asks, "Do you think Anderson Silva is one of the greatest of all time?" I think he is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, I definitely, think. Christopher. Um, yeah, he. You know, many many people consider him the best of all time, and I think he's one of those guys that needs to be in an argument and will always be in the argument of, oh, is he the top guy? And someone will say, well, no, not him, uh, GSP, or me, no, Randy Couture, cool, or BJ Penton, fine. But he is always in that conversation. Skill-wise, yep, he improved such a great deal. Like, he was an exciting, dynamic fighter when he fought in Brazil, when he fought in Pride, but he was up and down. By the time he got to Europe and then, uh, and then, he, and then he came to the UFC, he was just another beast. He improved so much. And then he continued to work on things like his jiu-jitsu off his back or his wrestling when he hit that switch on Nate Mark. Like he, his skill wise, he was phenomenal. He was just and and, and then entertaining, ac- entertaining, and then his accomplishments should, back that should. up. He's got the if records. He, if he spoke better English, oh man, it, you know it, it's crazy. If he would have spoken English his whole career, he would have duplicated what he did in Brazil. We don't have a great sense, I'm sure, of what 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 uh, his his fame is like. But the man is is by all accounts a multimillionaire. He, Brazil, if we look at, we just talked at the top of the show, Mike, about the, the numbers of UFC on Fox 22. Great numbers. You know, peaked at over 4 million. In Brazil, Cyborg's last uh, fight, I did, I think, was watched by like 20 million, 20 million people in, in Brazil. So Anderson Silva was a huge star. He opened up, helped open up, uh, along with guys like Vitor Belfort, the market in Brazil. And he's got the accomplishments to back it up. So Anderson is definitely one of the best ever. The, the, the question is, is he the best fighter ever? Is he the most accomplished ever? Because he's up there, man. He's, there's a good argument for that. So piggybacking off of that, Lennon says, and where would you rank Brock Lesnar among greatest of all time? Pound for pound? Uh, I, accomplishment? I think pound <laughs> – like I'll put it – we always talk about pound for pound. So meaning like if, if all things being equal weight-wise, you know, if someone could fight – like if BJ Penn could fight, you know, Randy Couture and they were the same size, who would win? BJ Penn and Randy Couture sparred together with – I've never seen, but Randy said that he couldn't take BJ down, which is crazy. Um, but by the way, but if if I look at Lesnar's accomplishments on like uh, a year, I don't know, some type of phrase I'll make up year by year, meaning little to the, like each year this person spent in MMA, what kind of impact did they make? In terms of accomplishments, it's huge. You you can you can dissect his skill and his technique all we want, other than his wrestling, but he beat. Frank Mir, who's one of the most accomplished heavyweights in MMA history. Uh, he beat Randy Couture, who I feel is the most accomplished heavyweight in MMA history. He beat other really great fighters like interim uh, title champ Shane Carwin, uh, Heath Herring. So, While battling diverticulitis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which We I, never really got to see him in his prime. It, it would appear we didn't, right? Like, I can't imagine what that's like. You can. I can't. Can also, like, it's tough. You know? We can't also assume that he would have been more dominant than he no, was either. No, I know? mean, like, his, his accomplishments – and like for the time he put, and, and that to say nothing of the business that he brought in, are, put him up there. If I look at skill, do I say, oh well, he's one of the most skilled guys outside of wrestling um, in MMA? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say I, I would take, I would rank any, I would rank a hundred people above him in terms of like well-roundedness and stuff. But his he, impact is undeniable. His impact, his accomplishments are undeniable, and his efficacy is. Un- you, listen, he doesn't have to be as 
as, as precise as Anderson Silva if he can get the job done with the, the he skills was, he has and the physicality this guy. He was the star at a time when Anderson Silva and Georgia St. Pierre were champions. Yeah, absolutely. He was the draw. Yeah, he and sure was. For that, he brought in a lot of fans. Yeah, much in the way that Conor McGregor is bringing in a lot of fans now. Absolutely. Um, so he deserves. He does. I think Brock Lesnar deserves more credit for his accomplishments than he gets from like supposedly well, it's like, it's hardcore like Yao fans. Yao Ming getting into yeah. the NBA Hall of Fame. Like he didn't have the best career number wise in the NBA injuries and stuff kind of derailed it but he still got in the Hall of Fame because of the impact he made on the sport overseas and you know the Chinese market and uh, those things Brock Lesnar is much in the same way he doesn't have maybe the best resume in terms of fighting but Mm -hmm. he impacted the sport in a way that almost yeah a few less than a handful of people have yeah and that makes him in the discussion I think so I think so um thanks for the question Lennon Lennon has another question, which is, what are the chances of that Conor McGregor will fight Floyd Mayweather? This won't go away. Yeah, and it, and the fighters are continuing to talk about it. So Would I buy the pay-per-view? Yeah, right, right, right. Today. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd pay $300 to watch him fight in MMA. Boxing, I'll watch it on Sunday. Because <laughs> I know how that's going. Do you think it happens? Um, I, I think... I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I Here's why I don't think it'll happen. it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think Conor McGregor is going to have the guts outside the cage to actually um, fight this legally. He's He would have to do it. He's gonna, He's got a boxing license, and he would – I'm no lawyer. But uh, who asked the question again? Lennon. Thank you. Lennon, thanks again. For, uh, I, I'm no lawyer, but it would it appeared to me that Conor would have to say, as a boxer now, I'm licensed in California, the largest state in the union um, – I'm covered by the Ali Act, and this contract um, that I have with the UFC it doesn't doesn't uh, it doesn't abide by the the federal rules we have the federal law we have in the Ali Act, so I can get free of this to box. And he can you know basically for lay in layman speak, he can kind of make the argument: Hey, what other non MMA thing can the UFC dictate I do? Can I not become a carpenter? Can I not become a a plumber? Can I not right. paint? What other thing can you do uh, when when I'm an independent contractor and I have an employee? I don't think no one yet has fought like no no. There's no Kurt Flood of MMA yet that's willing to get blackballed, willing to lose their career to fight for something like free agency. George um, St. Pierre. Yeah, we'll, I, I love that he's out there talking about it. We'll we'll see what the, what they do. Um, George has the potential. He has the cash and the profile to do it. He seems to have the will. We'll see. I. I um, I, I don't think it'll happen for that reason. I do think that the I don't I don't think a lot of the things that the way that the UFC does business can stand up to legal scrutiny in the end, but I think they have more money to fight in court for more years than most fighters have or are willing to, to spend. So I, I don't think it's likely that it's gonna happen, no. The other thing is we, we know that Conor McGregor's not above the publicity stunt to negotiate. Yeah, neither the is whole, Floyd Mayweather. the whole retiring thing. Yeah. You know, same same thing. I think so. I think he's bluffing. I think he's trying to get leverage, um, and I think he's he's smart enough to realize, you know, uh, this will get him attention. Now, I think he would fight Floyd. Sure, I don't think he's scared, I and I think he'll take Floyd the money for the kind of money. That he can get. <laughs> it would have to be a lot, man. I mean, even like he keeps demanding hundred million dollars, and right. there's no way Floyd gives it to him because there's right. no way that there's you're paying two hundred million dollars out to two fighters for a fight. Like that just gets to the point where it's not, not profitable. It's for probably anybody. not going to happen. No, but. If you gave him forty million, which would still be more than most Mayweather's yeah. opponents got, like, what did he fight like Miguel Cotto? And Miguel Cotto like only made a million dollars. No, Miguel's a big draw. He probably made like ten or twelve, but other guys have made yeah. like a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, but it's still, if he made forty million dollars, then that's what he made 
all year in the UFC. Yeah. According to him. Sure, sure, you know? sure. No, I think so. I think you definitely do it. You're right. And and by the way, like I want I don't want to be too much of an instigator here, and it's a derail. But um, Floyd can't do big numbers without Manny Pacquiao or or Conor McGregor right now. Like his last two ones haven't done well. His last one did three hundred thousand. Like he can't. He he makes he's done big money numbers with big money fighters like uh, Pacquiao, Cotto, De La Hoya was the first one to kick him off, but he can't draw like he used to. He's Connor's, never really sought out the big names either to fight. Well, I mean they they come like he there's he hasn't really avoided anyone like he he it took him way too long to fight Pacquiao and maybe it was more Pacquiao's fault but like but he my point is Conor McGregor is not wrong when he says right now he's the bigger draw he is he is if we look at the last. You know, two years for Connor and the last two years of Floyd's career, he is, and 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 not just because single fight numbers for pay per view, but also Connor's activity. Like, so he'll have one ninety six and then two hundred two numbers, which on their own start getting close to some of uh, Floyd's best numbers. And he did them within five months of each other. Like, he makes more money for his promoter. He brings in more money. He brings in more eyes. He has more international appeal. Like, right. Connor right now is a bigger draw. Than Floyd Mayweather Jr. Now I think together they can make huge money, but right now Connor is the bigger draw. I think there was an article on Bloody Elbow like a while ago after UFC 205 or something that talked about like how Conor McGregor's his pay per view numbers are like insane. Yeah, they said I think they were saying that the pay per view numbers he's done this year combined mm-hmm. top the pay per views. Like in I think they were comparing it to 2010, which were they said was wow. which was the UFC's best year in terms of pay per view sales. I think they did like seven point nine million okay. or something that year. Jeez. Um obviously he didn't do that many by himself yeah, right. this year. But they were comparing him to the pay per views of Anderson Silva, GSP and Brock Lesnar. And mm-hmm. he his three pay per views this year did more than all of their fights combined Jeez. that year. Wow. Or something or like doubled it. It was insane the Amazing. numbers. Um so he's definitely you know he's huge draw yeah he really is he, he really is and he's super active um yeah i don't think it's likely to happen because i don't think he'll he'll he'll, he'll take on that fight at well, the end of the day speaking of big draws uh we have a question from patrick allen if ronda rousey loses in her return do you think she could be done fighting for good hmm yeah i think it's possible i don't i don't have any insight into her head but she's already talking about retirement so when someone's already talking about it, she already wanted to retire yeah. before she turned thirty-one, and she turns thirty in February. I think. Yeah, right. Very good point. So from the onset, she she drew those kind of distinctions. Now specifically, she's talking about retiring soon. So, may for all we know, she may retire one way or the other after this. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. I wonder if she would be more likely to retire, like if she's not sure when she'll retire, if she'd be more likely to retire off a loss or off a win. I don't know. I don't know about her psychology enough at all to to say that, but it's a good question. I think if she wins, she'd be very likely to retire. <laughs> Maybe. Given that she's talking about retirement, that's a hell of a note to go out on, you know? Right. If I mean, if she lost, it'd be hard. You know, she's already so... She she took so much time off after losing Holly yeah. Holm, and she she's somebody who takes everything really personally. Mm, and she seems really, that way. Yeah, it seems that way. I guess I should say it seems. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, it does seem that way. Um, But I don't know Mm. for a fact. But judging based on how she acted after the Holly Holm thing and feeling like the media turned on her um, and this and that, and, you know, you can debate whether the media did or didn't. But, you know, she was so accustomed to being hero and put on a pedestal that when she lost, she couldn't handle the scrutiny that Mm. came with it. And I feel like if she lost again, it could just be you know all that again and i don't think she you know i think it took a lot of her to kind of 
get past that and come back the media thing yeah i just it'd be hard to see her do it a second time right i think what's interesting though is if she wins Mm -hmm, what does she do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what if holly holm beats jermaine (laughs) wins the featherweight title which will be on the line at ufc 208 in february right right uh that's a whole nother yeah, yeah, conversation. Yeah. But I ranted about yeah. that enough last week. <laughs> Let's say home wins and um Rousey wins. So now Rousey's the featherweight champion or bantamweight champion. Yeah. She uh could fight at featherweight and she could <laughs> also try and get revenge on Holly Holm. Yeah. Beat her, become the first woman to hold two UFC championships and different weights, yeah. Uh at two different weight classes. Yeah. And she could then run off right off into the sunset and she would be the first to do it simultaneously yeah because it would probably be her next fight yeah if she won out 207 yeah, yeah. so she'd be a simultaneous champion so right she, those are two th- milestones that she you know could add to her yeah resume on wikipedia and yeah. <laughs> right off into the sunset so i, yeah. I think would have you know she just, if she loses like it i see her walking away and that just kind of sucks for the sport but right. it's like and if i but if i win i think there's something there's something really compelling there i bet I, I bet you're right i bet she would She'd want be to do it two-time champion no well in women's and in well women's Misha for Tate, well for the ufc yeah it's been around for like six months so it's more I mean, significant Tate, to talk you about strike force you got us counted she was i mean of which w- you count because they counted it when ronda had ronda beat her for the title on the ufc that was the world title that was the lineal I mean, yeah. world title the way but jose like, aldo's down cruises and the they, WEC. they bring in the wec like stats so much right and like now that was owned by zufa yeah that's why they, they do it strike force right just you, you you own strike force now just incorporate it too just like you do the w they should and there there therein lies one of the responsibilities of the media right we, we 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 do more and we do that here and you do that in your writing your reporting we bring in context we don't just uh we're not just pr people right we have to give context to people like hey there was and is a world outside of the ufc and they're the biggest leagues there was a time where world titles are actually split on among different promoters just like it is in boxing now so you do that you do the, you do the hard work the hard nerdy work of finding out who the lineal champion is like you do in boxing right you do that you do that kind of hard work and yeah she was misha tate was a two-time world champion a favor was a world champion all that stuff i think you're probably right that it would be too tempting for ronda to to not jump at it she's if she wins and holly wins ronda should be like uh Hey, congratulations, Holly. That's awesome. I'd be glad that Holly's not in her division anymore. Unless Holly Holm has lost a lot, that's a really bad matchup for Ronda Rousey. And I'm not I even mean, like Holly being predicted here. Holly coming into this off of two losses. She is, but she's stylistically, what she showed in that fight against Ronda, Ronda will never make up the gap in striking. And I don't, you I don't, don't think know Ronda if, Rousey could game plan for a Holly Holm rematch better. Uh, oh, she could not with her current. Not if she trains the way she trains. No, right. She doesn't seem to train wrestling. And there she does another. Yeah, right. She don't. She. I, I think she won't get the head, even. I'm sure they're training her to do it, but she won't have enough head movement um, to deal with it. She won't be able to angle out like I. I she. I, I didn't predict Holly Holm to beat her, but what she showed in that fight was that she pops up too quickly. Um, and she's too hard to take down for Ronda, mm-hmm. and then she eats. Of course, she her eats her up on the feet. Her flaw is that she's gonna she's gonna march forward and eat yeah. punches until she gets her hands on you. Yeah. The issue being, she's it's like Tim Tebow throwing a football. She's got a slow wind up. Yeah. So you know it's coming. That's a, that's so, a great analogy. So she she cocks the hand, and Holmes already. Yeah. She's already out before you know what I mean. She throws that quick jab. Yeah. She sides you know steps out, circles away, and. Now Ronda Rousey's having to start again, and it's just a continual process. Took a lot of damage. And she's her. got a puncher's chance because uh, Ronda does have fast, powerful punching. She does. She does. Her, her striking flaws are elsewhere. But 
She's got an arm bars, um, ar- a submission artist, and a knockout puncher's chance, but that's a bad matchup. But I think you're right. I think I bet she would go for it. You know, right? Like she's a super competitor. Right. I bet she wanted to. Um, those who love her around her should say don't. Right. So we have one last question from a good friend, Dennis from Submission Radio. If you guys don't Dennis. check in with uh, Submission Radio, follow them. You need to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been a frequent guest. I think I've done three appearances. That's awesome. Twice on their show, calling in after fights, and then once uh, in the Submission Radio Lounge. That's awesome. After UFC 205. Uh, I'm on this week's episode. Yeah, and really you called stoked. in yeah, after... Yeah. After this past card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These guys are awesome. They're really, they're, they're really great, yeah. Um, they great guests, too. He wants to know, why aren't you wearing a festive hat as well? <laughs> I have a festive heart, Dennis. Yeah, yeah no, I didn't, know, I didn't get the memo. Christmas spirit. I didn't get the memo. I could, we could have had an NFC like battle here. I could have brought the, uh, a Bears hat to remind that everyone how awful they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the boss told me one here. This is just for you, Dennis, and it's momentarily, and this is about as long as it's going to last. But there we go. There's the there's the, the festivities have begun. I'm going over the headset. Mike's got under the headset, so we have dueling styles as well. And uh, <laughs> he wants to know when I'm dropping off all the presents for children all over the world this year. Um, I specialize. I'm the representative for Dallas, so it's very localized. My, micro shipment. That's no. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we'll split the cookies in a moment. <laughs> so before we go, uh, we were gonna do kind of our Christmas wish list for MMA next oh, yeah. year. We'll do some, uh, next week we'll do some, maybe like a uh, award yearly awards and I dig it. Some, uh, resolutions for fighters, but you know, Christmas is right around the corner. So Christmas wish list for MMA. It's kind of a broad thing to talk about. Sure. Um, maybe it's something that you want as a fan or maybe yeah. it's something you want for a fighter, but what, what's your Christmas wish list? Let's see. Um, we talked about it earlier, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor for the lightweight title. And then, Khabib and Tony Ferguson subsequently getting title shots after that, like they've long deserved. Uh, Damian Maya getting a title shot in, in 2017. Uh, Conor McGregor, um, others, Tim Kennedy, George St. Pierre, taking their, their battles for fighter rights in 2017 strong and seeing how far they can, they can get with it. Uh, Nick Diaz fighting again and not having to wait. 16 years to see another one after that. So two Nick Diaz fights in 2017. That's on my wish list uh, as well. Uh, that's, that, might, that might cover it for now. How about you? What you got? Bisbing Silver rematch. Oh, oh, yeah. They're going at it again on, on Twitter. Yeah. And, it's, and it sold me. Yeah. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily was at my top of my list until I saw Anderson Silva. But given the way that Silva fought Bisbing, and a lot of people felt 91 in yeah, February. I scored it for him. Like, you could see that happening and i think that would be really interesting yeah um, the and they do have good the trash talk like the, at the gym when uh bisbing was trying to talk yeah right uh, anderson and not anderson was just kind of like i know i'm sorry i was the champion for a long time i've got to tell you a you story know. about bisbing trying to get me in trouble for me covering that by the way one day oh yeah yeah but go on <laughs> um i think diaz mcgregor two or three yeah, would be yeah, yeah something diaz fight would be good you know, Damian Maya deserves a shot, but I kind of want to see Donald Cerrone win because mm, I think it adds some interesting element. He's up he's, there. He's a big star, Colt star, much in the way that Diaz is, and he hasn't gotten a push. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd be somebody. So seeing him get a title shot would be interesting too. Uh, I kind of want to keep seeing the Mickey Gall hype train go. <laughs> I like, I like that. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. I, I guess I would like to see uh, a Rousey 
win mm. and uh, see her kind of return to prominence because mm. it makes things more exciting. And Cyborg needs a featherweight title shot. I think that's yeah. I should have put that on my list. Yeah, considering how well, much I gripe we have a about that. List here. Yeah, right, right. There um, you go. It's our it's ER list. Yeah. Maybe you know if the UFC wants to keep doing super car, you know super cards and super fights, maybe it's time for a DJ Cruz mm. uh, fight again. Um, He's certainly running out of challenges of flyweight. Yeah, right? and and does Joe Benavidez get a title shot again? Right, right. You know he's. Still hasn't lost since his last title fight. He earns it. It's just does Demetrius Johnson want to keep taking a risk of fighting someone well, so great? <laughs> lost to him twice and Cruz twice. I, I know. Like, you know, it's fun. But it's who else is there for DJ to fight at the same time? Uh, um, there's just so many things. John Jones returning, George St. Pierre returning. True, true. Are all things that I, I would like to see. Um, it, it'll be interesting. It'll be the first full year under the new owner, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how everything uh, unfolds this year as far as events and um you know if it's the same kind of media structure mm. we're seeing on a week-to-week basis or if they change things up or yeah um how the promotion for an event goes like right. how will fight week be this week yeah. or this year you know in july those kind of things so that'll be all interesting to see it will be that's um, true yeah i guess that's pretty much my list it's a good one man it's a good mm-hmm. one i'll have i'll have the anti gs i want gsp to stay rich and not fight again that's <laughs> that's the only thing that i'll be like eh. although listen if he fights i'm gonna like in that moment be so excited yeah. so excited to watch him fight all right well thank you everyone for tuning in and watching an episode of the extra rounds podcast um as always please subscribe on itunes uh please leave a review and rate the show uh, we're also available in the Google Store. We just got into, I can't pronounce it, Stitcher. That's what I say. Podcast. Stitcher? Um, is it French? Yeah. <laughs> it's another podcasting network that we've been added to. We're also in uh, the TuneIn app if you want to listen to us there. Of course, every week we're on the Facebook page for Sports Illustrated MMA. Every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Extra Rounds. And we'll let you know if we have uh, what guests we have lined up for next week. And uh, as always, you can call in to this number and leave a voicemail with your name and a question, and we'll answer it. We'll play the audio on the air, and we'll answer your question, much like we did with the comment section today. And thank you, again, everyone who yeah, commented. Great. Um, the number to do that is 815-570-3923. Again, that's 815-570-3923. All right, and until next week, thanks, everybody. Thanks, <laughs> everybody.